there's a fellow who, uh, you know, one day just decided, uh, you know, he's going to quit job and started getting into business and started sweet-talking people into being partners in his business and getting to meet all sorts of influential people, especially on the JSE. Not many people meet people in that space. And uh, a few years later, he's built a phenomenal business of himself, but also helped build other people's businesses. So the reason we have him here is because he has proven success that he can actually turn you as an individual or your business or your product or your service into something of a success. Siama Poko is his name. He's our guest. He's an author uh, of a very interesting book uh, that he made me buy instantly the day I met him, only for an exchange of a signature. Uh, I'm still grateful. I got his, auto, his, his, his uh, autograph and I paid for the book. And I was amazed about the number of people that he got to speak to. That uh, He says, these people changed his life and he learned a lot from from them i hope we learn i hope you learn a lot from him tonight i know i learned a lot from this man in the time that i've known him so players thank you very much for coming good evening mr rams good evening yeah are you yeah, good? good good happy good. new year uh, thank you i didn't <laughs> yeah. realize <laughs> yeah. we haven't seen each other exactly year, but thank you man yeah and congratulations man well, you, you know i survived you're, you're back <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know i'm still <laughs> you know, sitting here I, I spent the whole weekend agonizing <laughs> thinking you know rams invited me to show on monday <laughs> but I, wonder is he coming? If, I wonder if you'll be there <laughs> <laughs> so i'm happy man yeah happy. thank you yeah you know i probably uh, survived because i also throughout my life and in recent times also got the best advice from other people including you so you know you part of the best advice i ever got and i hope that our listeners are going to get amazing advice tonight from yeah, you yeah man let's let's have a fun chat so honestly let me tell you, i was just on facebook when i saw a post by this man and he speaks about 10 things 10 necessary things that will make or break things and you know he uh, the, the things to remember when you sell your services, products, or negotiating a deal. And I dare it, even if that deal is negotiating a job. And he, he lists these things, and I want us to to listen to him, and then you join in and give us your views and, and ask him questions. So it's it's 20 past 8, Sia. We've got 10 of these things, so we left with uh, 40 minutes to finish the show. So we've got four minutes for each of these points. <laughs> <laughs> so I want us to go through these points uh, but but quickly before we do that, just a little introduction of yourself. You know, I may have done it, but I think it's better for the lion to roar for itself. Great. Well, thank you. Yeah. Um, and and before I do that, I was listening to the show, obviously coming here, yeah. and you know, it's one of those days. Once once again this year, we, yeah, we lost another icon, sad day for South Africa, and uh, it reminds us, you know, that all of these great things that we have, there are those people who. Who fought for us yeah. and who never asked for anything in return. Exactly. So with that, I just want to say rest in peace, uh, Mama Winnie. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we, we're very sad as a country. But, Great. Uh, those Great. of us who are here who are still young, we just have to carry on the baton. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So who is Siyama Poco? Siyama Poco. Yeah, <laughs> man. Rams, you know, I, I wake up every day and I think I am so lucky, you know, uh, one, I've got a very exciting job. Yeah. Uh, I always say I think I've got the best job <laughs> in the world. Uh, but really, my luck starts from maybe before I was born. I yeah. Was 
born in the Eastern Cape in a small village in a uh, town called Pedi. Yeah. In a village called... Where Makayantini comes from. I don't well, know if he's from there, uh, but... He's always been mentioned around Pedi. Eastern Cape. You know, yeah. Eastern Cape is big. Pedi <laughs> 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 is between Grahamstown yeah, and, and uh, King Williamstown yes, on yeah. N2. So, so I'm from around there. Uh, that's where I grew up. Grew up in a big family. We... It was an entrepreneurial family. We were like the, the village... Um, fruit and veg city. Yeah. So, you know, bring all the veggies and fruits to the village. And on weekends, my weekends, I would go knocking door to door selling fish, yeah. fried fish. And I would, you know, uh, make sales. So, yeah. so from a young age. So you've uh, been a salesman. <laughs> so from a very young age, uh, I mean, I learned marketing when I was in primary. Yes. Uh, I learned sales when I was in primary. I didn't like it. I'm yeah. not going to lie. I really hated every minute of, because <laughs> my friends would be playing and I have this big scuffed you know, that I'm carrying door to door. So the sooner I could sell those, the sooner I could go play. Yes. My so, I, so that was my, you know, my, my upbringing. Yeah. From there, I went, you know, through school. University went to UCT where I studied science. Yeah, uh, did chemistry, biochemistry. Studied up to masters. Dropped out at, at masters level. Uh, joined a company. All of these things were really fun. And one thing that was driving me throughout this was just curiosity. <clears throat> okay. Know? I joined a company called Investec Asset Management, where I was a trader, yeah. which was a lot of fun. I did that for about two years. And every day we were, I mean, as you can imagine, Investec is quite a, a big company in that space, yeah. asset management. We were trading about a billion rand a day, you know. A billion rand a, billion a day. day. And we were like a trading team of about four traders. You know, I had to be at work <laughs> six o'clock in the morning, be home 7 p.m., but enjoyed every minute yeah. of it but but i've always been an entrepreneur you know the whole thing of even going into investments was really to learn about business yes except you know i, I just didn't want to study another degree in finance i felt geez, science yeah. was hard enough <laughs> can i can i get paid while i'm learning about <laughs> while business? i'm learning yeah exactly so it was really another it was extension of my schooling after that i started my first business uh, that was back in 2006 uh, lost a ton of money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Paid my school fees. Yes. First year, I think I, I had a liability of about three million rand. It was not funny. Uh, it was really, really a painful experience. But that's really what lured me to to want to learn more about how to make things work. Yeah. And I was it was around that time when I came across a a quote uh, by Mark Twain, and the quote is, "What gets you into trouble is not what you don't know; it's what you know for sure that just ain't so." And, and I remember looking at all the business advice I was getting as a startup entrepreneur that it sounded like it made sense, yeah. you know, in the textbooks. That's what I know for sure because I read the stuff. Yes. The gurus are saying, do this, do this, do that. I'm like, wait a minute. What if what I know for sure is what's getting me into trouble, <laughs> you know? So because we always think we, we need to learn more. Yes. I think every entrepreneur who's starting a business, they think I need to read more books, uh, which is fine. Yeah. Go they to think, the next they seminar. Think, they think I need to click at every ad on Facebook, watch every video yes. online, download every free ebook, and I will find the answer. And then 10 years down the line, they're like, this thing is not working, yeah. you know? But yeah, that's me. I mean, today, wow, I get to... I, I actually wrote a, a post about got to. A lot of people, when they go to work, they say, oh, tomorrow, tomorrow is Tuesday, right? Yes. After a long week. Like, oh, tomorrow, I've got to do this. I've got to do this and this. I always say, you know, for me, I feel like, oh, my God, I get to do this stuff. Yes. Imagine if that was I'm a job. I'm privileged <laughs> to know, do this I stuff. I get to do this. So a big part of what we do is uh, partner with other businesses, big and small, big listed companies, as well as uh, small businesses. Yeah. <clears throat> there are three things. I think... 
just on the intro part, there are three things I want people to remember about me and what I do uh, before we even get to these 10 things. Yes. Three things, simple. One is that one of the things I've learned, which, which really guides our decisions in our business, is that um, a lot of businesses are pretty good at what they do. Yeah. But that doesn't mean they're great at growing revenues. And, and the sooner a CEO or an entrepreneur can tell themselves the truth about their reality, the sooner they can actually fix things. So that's the first thing. Mm. The second thing is that the type of people we work with, we always look for opportunities in our clients, we call them partners, where we could grow businesses or where we could grow revenues yeah. by 100% to 1,000% within you know about 12 months yeah. or, or less or if given longer time to do even more. Because we... Businesses are inefficient. Yes. There are so many low-hanging fruit that people leave on the table. We look for those things. Yes. We try to, to really extract value out of those things. The last thing of these three things um, is that one of the questions that have always fascinated me is that what if, as a business owner, you only got paid for results that you deliver? What if your client said, we're only going to pay you what you're worth on the strength of the outcomes yes. you produce. Yes. So we, we took that a step further. We said, actually, let's apply that in our yeah. business. Yeah. So one of, our, one of the things with all our clients, or should I say majority of our clients, is that about 90% of our fees are only paid with the money we make. I only paid after we've delivered results. Those are the three things. That's brilliant. About mate. what I get to do daily. That's brilliant. And then, yeah. You're, so, I, yeah, yeah, let's I talk. Go, now you post. go into these 10 things that, that yeah. you like. You I, mean, I mean, let's start at the top. You know, you, you say one of the deal breakers is, is neediness. Dangerous. Dangerous because think about a negotiation. Yeah. Uh, here are two parties. They will exchange, there will be an exchange of things. Yes. One has a commodity or a service or whatever they have. The other party has money. Yes. You know? Yes. And usually the seller comes with the things with his or her wares to sell to this person who's got money. The buyer. And who's more desperate in that situation generally? It's the seller. Of course. You're like, yes. you know, I'm here. I, I hope they buy my stuff. We, yes. we tell ourselves that story. And, and the reality is that whoever's more needy in that conversation is going to be, is going to lose. They may get the deal, but they may lose something. And one example, they may get a deal where they compromised, mm -hmm. where they they ended up taking a deal at a much lower fee, and then they tried to do this project. Halfway down the line, they realized they ran out of money because they priced incorrectly because they were just desperate to get the deal. So neediness is very, very dangerous because what it does during a negotiation, you lose control. You know, when you are the needy party here, you know, when you go to a negotiation, you must be comfortable to to be who you are when you walk out, the, to, to walk out at the end the way you came in with, with nothing more than you came in with. Because when you can do that, you relax. You're like, you know what? No, it's still an option here. Where's the danger uh, of, of maybe exuding arrogance if you're not showing neediness? I, I think that's that's an extreme end. Yeah. You know, you don't have... That's the thing. Remember that. And and I think I cover that in some of the points. So the first thing, I think we, we're going to unpack okay. more of these questions. I want to go through But these. I want to stay, stay with neediness and ask you one more question. And okay. you're going oh. to find out I'm going to do that all the time. Don't, uh, you, don't you want me to go through these and then we punch them all over? I mean, it's your show. Okay, okay, it's okay. Show, okay, right? let's go, let's go through. Let's, let's go through the 10. Because okay, so uh, if I engage you a lot, you're not going to get to number seven. That's I, my worry. Yes. That's my worry. <laughs> so, so the first thing I'm saying here is, is that avoid neediness, which yeah. we've touched on. Yes, you want the deal, um, but you are not needy. 
you will still be okay even if you don't get this deal. And always remember that when you are too needy, you are most likeliest to make mistakes during a negotiation. So that's the, that's the first thing. You will lose control and make bad, bad decisions, basically. Yeah. The second thing is focus. What should you be focusing on? You know, in any meeting where you want somebody to either see a point of view or to agree with you on something, you always have to focus not on your needs, but on their needs. You know, there's, a, there's, a, there's an ad guy, an advertising guy who, who, has a, who has a big name in the 1920s. He wrote lots of books. He says, you must always enter the conversation that is already taking play, place in your customer's mind. So if you're going to offer your wares or your services or your product, you must always ask yourself, what is already keeping that person up at night that by having these things or by having me and my offering, it would actually remove that pain for them? So always focus on their needs rather than yours. Yeah. People who are in sales, of course, they've heard a guy called Zig Ziglar yeah. saying you can have anything you want in the world if you help enough other people have what they want. It's all about focusing on the other side's need. So stay on their, in their world more than in yours. So focus. The third thing is the word no. This is the most scariest word in, in everything. In you know? life, in, generally. In, even kids cry when they say, Daddy, Daddy, can I have this? And then it says, no. no. You know, it's a word that we've, we've been uh, uh, cultured to not to want to hear. And I always say, that word is actually a beautiful word. The word no, you must actually, whenever you're going to negotiate something with anybody, always tell them in advance that it's okay to say no. You can say no to this proposition because you're relaxing them and you're also reminding yourself that you're not needy. You know? and, and whoever says no first has to own, has to come up with reasons why when they are asked to say, tell me why. You know, then they have to explain themselves, which then becomes information. Then it becomes something that you can. That's when a negotiation begins, anyway. If you think about it, there's never a negotiation until somebody says no. Then let the negotiation begin. So, so no is actually an important word, and it's a, it's a word that could go take you places. The, the other, the fourth point is another word, dangerous word. It's the word is yes, because we when we come into these situations. We think we want a yes. And skilled negotiators, what do they do? They agree early. They say, yes, we'll, you can have this. And then if it's not a deal that's, gonna, that's not going to be closed and signed today, guess what's going to happen? Tomorrow, a week later, you get a call. They're pulling back. Yeah. Now, what they've done there, they actually have drawn you in They've literally opened you up in terms of your own neediness. You've kind of betrayed your own neediness by jumping and getting excited by hearing the word yes. Because now when you come back trying to salvage that, that's when you are most likeliest to compromise again. You know what I mean? So it could be, it could actually expose you. That's why you need to keep your posture and always remember that, no, what's, where's the catch? Because people generally say that, right? Yeah. Where's the catch? <laughs> you know what I mean? Why so easy? So, yes. so trust your instincts. And you need to verify and get confirmations, you know, uh, that really confirm and rubber stamp that this deal is a deal. It's not just a way to, to, to make you lose balance. The fifth one is a maybe. You know, I don't know how many times I meet entrepreneurs saying, yeah, they said they'll get back to us. You know, it's maybe it's not a decision. When, when you go to communicate something with somebody where a decision has to be made, it's either yes or no. Because a maybe is actually not a decision. So you should never be excited when somebody says, maybe, 
You know, you must always go push to get a decision, get clarity. And even, even if you must get a maybe because there's some information that has to come in later, at least the parameters of further negotiate, negotiating tomorrow, next week, whenever, those must be outlined today. You know, let's now pave the path on what things are we going to be talking mm. about and what questions are we going to be trying to answer? What data is missing right now that makes it impossible for a decision to be made? So, so there must be an agreeable checklist. Totally, totally. You know, because and maybe it, it leaves you hanging, you know, and it betray, again, it betrays your neediness because now over time you start getting excited and hoping that I hope they'll buy. You know, they said they'll get back to us. Yes. And you know what usually happens? You do those those follow-ups that never end. Yeah. Where they stop answering your calls. They switch off whenever yeah. you call. You become a and, nuisance. And, exactly. You know, so so you don't want a maybe. And people are polite. They never generally say no. They will say, oh, maybe, maybe. And people take that. Get a no and be okay with that if it really gets to that. Should you extract it from them? You have to. You ha- that's okay. why you have, a, have to have a plan okay. when you go into a conversation with people. You can't just go blindly and think you're going to pull up your PowerPoint and start presenting. That's the worst thing you can do. And number six is clarity. You know, as I already said, the best deals start with no. Because any negotiation, it can only be a negotiation when somebody has said, nope. And then you say, why? And then they tell you why, and then a discussion, you find a way to deal with that yeah. or rebut that if you're yes, in court, right? Yes. Um, so clarity is always important. I've already said that whoever says no has to own that, and they have to give answers whenever they're called upon to explain themselves mm-hmm. why they're saying no. So no actually does create clarity. It actually creates clarity for both sides. You know, it it, it creates clarity for the person who says no. Yeah. Because now when you want answers, they have to think, why am I saying no really? Yes. You know? Yes. Um, but the goal is really not to put anyone under pressure. You know, it's not to, to try to change their minds per se. But in order for somebody to make a decision, first of all, they have to be clear on what it is they are making a decision on. So it forces both sides to clarify themselves. Okay. You know, because most deals are lost because the seller failed to create clarity mm-hmm. or vision for the future for the person they want to commit in this partnership or in this deal with them. And then number seven, rejection. Mm. <laughs> you know? Oh, man's biggest you know, fear. Everybody's scared of rejection, you know, because they take it personally. When your proposition or your proposal or your pitch is turned down, it becomes a personal thing. They don't like me. Yeah. What is it about me? Is it, you know, people start taking these things personally. But, but what is that? What is rejection? If you really think about it, you're an adult. You, know, you cannot be rejected. You know, because people can say no to you, but then the next person will say yes. You know, so, so you can't be rejected. If you really think about rejection and you think about it in the context of need, The only people who can really be rejected are people who are completely dependent on the other party. You know, a little baby who's a week old can be rejected by a parent. Yeah. Because they're completely dependent on the parent. As an adult, you've got choices. As an adult, you've you've got options. Yeah. But as a baby who's a week old, you're completely dependent on the parent for everything. That way, that's really the only real scenario where one can, can say I was rejected. 
Number nine, compromise. Kind of touched on it a bit. You know, a lot of people, they there's this price thing, you know, where they always want to compromise on price. We can beat the other side's mm-hmm. price. We could do this. And, you know, it's a dangerous game, you know, because when you the, the first side to compromise in these types of conversations is the side that betrays Again, neediness. Yeah. You know, we're desperate. We want this deal so badly, so badly. that we will do anything. And and the danger of compromise is that uh, both sides will end up losing at the end of the day, you know, because it does not help the seller. It may also not help the buyer down the line if the seller compromised too much, too mm. early, and then they can't complete the project because they cut the price to the bone yeah. and now they can't deliver because, you know, costs have gone up, et cetera. Number nine, <laughs> this thing of being liked, you know, especially these days of social media. Yeah. Um, we, you know, likes, we wake up in the morning and we want to check how many likes <laughs> I get, right? So, so we, 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 we are kind of addicted to being liked. And again, that can betray neediness in a situation where you have to remain calm, where facts are the only thing that matter. Because remember, when somebody buys or when someone agrees on the deal, it's really not about you and your ability to sell, yes, it's important, but it's really about them being so clear on the issue they're trying to address that they feel that out of all the options that they have, doing business with you is the best option. Remember, when I say all the options they have, one of the options is the option to do nothing. Yes. You know, a lot of people... It's always an option. Totally. That's why it's always important to say you can say no to this because it's already an option they already have anyway. Yes. Rather than, you know, but it's important to, to relax and say, look, you can say no, you know, because they al- already know that they've got, they tend to gravitate to th- towards that option anyway. A lot of people worry that their competitors are people who do what they do. But the reality is that those are, that's competitor number three. There are already two competitors you haven't considered in any situation or in most situations. The first competitor is the status quo. Is the option where somebody says no to you only to remain where they are, only to stay in their comfort zone with their problems, all of that because it's still an option. Yeah. You know, retreating to the comfort of the known is always an option that everybody has. So that's your first competition. That's why you always have to deal with the reasons why they can't continue under the current situation. And then the second competition is the, is, is the competition for the share of their wallet. Because everybody is spending money on things that yes. are unrelated to what you sell, which means they may not have money to pay you, but they've got money to, to, yeah. to sign up for the next package of DSTV, yes. right? <laughs> Where yes. they say, oh, no, no, I can't afford your services. But guess what? I'm, I'm upgrading my car next week because they value that higher. So there's always that competition for the share of the wallet, which, which may be unrelated to what you sell. And then the, thirdly, your competitors come in, but you need to rebut the first, at least the very first one, the status quo. Yes. And then lastly, finally, number 10 is close. I think when I started out in business, listening to sales gurus, they'll say, you know, always be closing, close, 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 close. And I mean, I was the worst salesperson. Part of the reason why our first business didn't work out was because nobody was selling. We hired everybody in the company. Everybody had a really beautiful title, CEO, this, CFO, that, 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 that. We forgot who's going to sell. Who's going to sell? Because <laughs> nobody thought it was their responsibility to sell. It took me years to really figure out better ways to communicate from a value perspective, 
rather than trying to sell or trying to close. So you must never be in a rush to close because it betrays your neediness again. If anything, you, you'd rather the other side feel so much pain because of, of the client they already have, of their current situation, to a point where they can't take it anymore. They just want, let's do the deal. Let, let's do this. Let them close you. <laughs> Those are the 10. Our guest, Siyama Poko, businessman, author, coach, and he's here to talk to us about the 10 things to look out for uh, to close that deal. And as I said, and I, I'm going to reduce a lot of this, time, not, not completely, but a lot of times I'm going to reduce this also to people who are looking for a job because we, we go through the same things okay. when, when you see it on the other side. So we're going to take a break. So the lines are officially open. 089-110-3377. You want to pick uh, his brains on any of the 10 points or if you think there's point 11 that you sh- he should have added, you can come in. Uh, you can tell us about your own situation, your own experience about rejection, about neediness, about closing a deal. Uh, let's share. Let's talk. Uh, 089-110-3377 and I'll take your calls on the other side of this. So we, we covered the 10 points uh, in less than 40 minutes, as I thought. So we got uh, 18 minutes to play with, ask questions, get clarifications, and speak some more with Sia Mapoko. We are on 089 And please, do not feel that you have to speak because you run a business or you want to run a business. This could also impact you because tomorrow you're sitting in front of that guy you've been wanting to sit in front of and ask for a job. Because they advertise this job and you're thinking you are the person for this job and you're going to be interviewed by this panel. I think all these things still impact you as a potential employee somewhere and you want to learn how you can do it better. See, let's start with neediness. I get a lot of people who call on to the show or I meet in workshops and seminars where I get invited and I speak and people always have this thing that, Please give us a chance. We're a black-owned company. We're a female-only business. Uh, you know, if we can just get this opportunity. They always come across as needed. The one thing that I always fight people about is, and I ask them, so what if you're a black-owned company? Well, you are one of many black-owned companies. But is, 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 that a, is that a flaw to, to, to put that up front in your, in your, in your pitch? Context. Yeah. I think, remember, if it, 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 I think the answer is in focus. I think number two answers number one in, yeah. this, in, this, in this case. Because what are you focusing on? You know, because if you were to ask yourself, my being black owned, my being female, 100% female black owned, what does it mean yeah. as an advantage for the person who's got the privilege of doing business with me? You know, if you could put that into context, but you can only do that when you understand, one, what their situation is and how this could give them an advantage. Mm. You know, th- there's nothing wrong with these things per se, but context importance. Because the question, as, as, as we were talking off air, is so what? You black owned so? <laughs> you know, so if you can answer that by saying, look, here's an advantage. I- I'll give an example. For me, our very first business, we were in a situation where we, we, we were in the process of raising money around 2006, 2007. We were raising money and we were falling short of our goal. There yeah. was a company that was in the same business as us that had gone bankrupt. And the people who, who financed their equipment, their technology, which we needed, which we were trying to buy by raising this money, 
already they they repossessed it almost like a bank repossessing a car and then yeah. they sell it on an auction so this company was a finance company they were trying to get rid of of these assets so i approached them and said how much would you sell these to me for they said a million rand and i said okay then i need to go raise a million rand so i can buy these what's the value the value turned out to be close to 5 million but then because it was hard to raise money i figured that I could leverage my being a black owned yeah, business. Yeah, yeah. Um, because this thing, the, the BE codes were still very new for a lot of businesses. They didn't understand enterprise development. So I started reading up on these things. I said, because everybody had this perception that BE was for certain people and it was all about equity. I said, geez, what about this enterprise development stuff? And I went and I approached these guys. They knew nothing about it. Mm. I started educating them about this and I started showing them in real numbers what it would mean for their business. It turned out if they gave me those assets, those million rand worth of assets for nothing, that would actually make more than 50 million rand in return by scoring, you know, from a BE point of, po- view. Point of view. So I think it's important for people, if you're going to use something as your advantage, at least know what it means yes. for the other side. I think that would be how what I underline on this one. Okay, then compromise. Again, so, you know, 1997, very young man, I started business with a... F- friend of mine completely new you know we we've been employed somewhere else and you go for your first opportunity to to negotiate and uh you have a clue of how much you want and the guys sitting on the other side they they they're like so how much do you want and i remember that Tricky. are they trying to trick you yeah you know <laughs> you want this deal you want their first deal they must sign and and we did not say it in, ex- in the exact words, but I think we were saying something like, uh, well, how much can you offer us? <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know? we, we were compromising even before we mentioned the figure. Just, so how much can you offer us? Sure. Yeah. How much do you have? Yeah, how much do you have? <laughs> you know? uh, and it happens a lot with people who come for a job interview. And they get asked, so how much do you want? And, and I always say to them, but, but if these guys advertise the job, they already know how much they pay for that job. That's a very unfair question. How do we then get around stuff like that? That one is is, is tricky because I think there are a number of ways to answer it. Yeah. Um, because there are situations where someone is really desperate. They just want anything. Yeah. Just give me something. I'm five months behind rent. <laughs> I just want to get some a contract that says I've got a job yes. so that I can go get a credit card or something like that to to take care of the, the immediate issues that I'm dealing yes. with. Yes. So it's contextual. But the best way to think about it, and I'm being general here, the best way to think about what you should get paid, whether you're a business or an employee or looking for a job, is is in the context of the value that you're going to bring. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's you know This whole thing of thinking that because I've been working for X number of years, therefore I deserve... X purely because I've been breathing for that long. Yeah. It's really not fair to businesses. But what matters is what value am I going to bring? You know. So so if a conversation can be centered around I know I'm good at what I do. Remember what I said when I said three things to remember about yeah. us? If you only got paid for the results that you bring, that you can own and said look what I've done for you. Now you could talk about I, I think I should get a percentage. Yeah, I think we should talk. You know? So, so it's it's very important to really understand your value. And I'll and I'll cap it by cap this by saying, the universe will always take you up on your own appraisal of yourself. If you're good, negotiate from a place of, hey, guys, I could do 
a lot for you. Yeah. You know, if you understand the impact of, of your contribution, that it would be 10 times, 20 times what you think you deserve, I think you can negotiate from that because now it's a fair thing. You know, everybody's accountable. And I need to apologize to our listeners. I, I know there were, there, were, there were calls, but I was, I, was intro- I, was, I was interrogating you more, so we missed. So guys, please, come back. We, we will take your call. 89 Our guest is Sia Mapoko, uh, the author of The Best Advice I Ever Got. I mean, you know, I, some of the people you spoke to there said the simplest but truest things that could ever be said. Do we complicate things because we want the most intelligent sounding, uh, you know, even even things slightly beyond us? If if I can't open a dictionary, then it's not good for me. It, it must be such big words that I'm, I I don't understand, so that I feel this is powerful stuff. Totally, totally. <laughs> um, I mean, you've you've seen my work, yeah. And I think <laughs> if there's one thing about what I do for for businesses and entrepreneurs and clients in general is that I simplify things. Yes. You know, I really break it down and make it so simple so that people can actually execute on those things. And I think because we live in the culture of how we consume media and news, there's there's a lot of political language, especially yes. in South Africa. We we tend to want to, you know, sound smart. But actually simplicity, you know, it, it really works. No. The word no. You said it's a very powerful and beautiful word. It it breaks us. I look you in the eye, I'm in this meeting, I I I believe I've got this amazing product or service that I'm giving to you. And within 10 minutes of chatting, you say no. Totally. Well, Look, what, what do I do post a no? It's what you do before a no first. Because to, to even be offering a product or a service, it's almost like going to a doctor. And you walk through the door and they say, wow, Rams, thank you for coming. You know what? I've got... Some um, I've got a, for every pill I give you today, we've got a special. I'll give you two for the price of one. <laughs> they haven't they haven't even diagnosed you. So so you should never offer anything to anybody if you haven't done thorough diagnosis of their situation. And then based on that, on the strength of your diagnosis, then you offer a solution. Yes. A mistake that we all make. We walk into a meeting. And, and the, you know, there's this boardroom table with all these intimidating people. They say, oh, so what do you have for us? <laughs> you know, what do we do? We yes. jump with our presentation. Yes. That's the worst thing you can do because you haven't diagnosed anything. You know, they need to own their current situation first before they can even consider that they, are, that they, are in, in, they have a problem that needs a solution. So we are too quick to offer. Let me put it that way. And I think, so before you know, it's important to really take charge. Yeah. Whoever in most meetings, if you notice, who whoever asks the most questions is in charge. Even here, I mean, this is your show. Yes. Who's asking questions <laughs> here? You know, even even in meetings, you go to present, and the first thing within two minutes, you are being peppered with questions, and you are busy. It's almost like you're you're a cricketer who's batting, and there there's a bowler who's throwing questions at you. That's why you need to take charge of your meetings. You know, unfortunately, we don't have all the time to, well, to well, really well, discuss well, the whole process. You know, I, I feel, I feel, I feel, uh, yeah, I, I feel manipulated. This is a guy who I earlier I wanted to ask questions. He says, no, 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 no. Let me say this thing first, then we'll come to questions. So you, you stopped me from bowling at you, and <laughs> you started playing your game first. <laughs> so I get it. I get it. You, you won that part. Somebody once said to me, "If you're gonna go to a negotiation for business, 
there's no harm in walking in with a prepared contract. I agree with that. Totally. Yeah. Totally. You know, one, I mean, that's a sure sign of confidence. Yes. One, one thing for sure. But but it shouldn't be hollow. <laughs> you know, it shouldn't be the only thing you've got. Yes. You know, you, you need to be so confident that firstly, you really know what's keeping, uh, keeping them up at night and why it would be a no... It, it would, it would be not wise for them to lo- let you walk out that door without signing this. They need to know what is the cost of letting Rams walk out that door without us having signed the dotted line. So once they can get clarity on that, then there's an incentive for them to say, where's that contract? We want to sign it right now. You know? But it can't just be the only thing you've got. But it's a good start, I'd say. What happens... Uh what happens when I walk and in, in the issue of focus? So I walk into this negotiation. I'm going to sell products, product X. Maybe I'm, I distribute eggs. And uh, the, the guy sitting on the other side with all the beautiful titles, uh, the bowlers, and one of them says to, to me, but do you also have jam? Because at the moment, you know, we, we need jam more than we need eggs. How do I answer that without losing focus on what I believe I have to offer them that I believe they need? Again, it's it's really the same thing about, you know, finding out why. Why do they why do they think they need jam? Because people need to own whatever because uh, the decision to say we need jam, it means they've diagnosed their situation. They've come to a point where they are making a prescription for themselves. Yes. That jam is what we are prescribing for ourselves. Yours is to find out why. Yes. You know, because then the next question may be, how much jam do you need? <laughs> and then they say, you thought they needed one jar. Yeah. They say we need a million jars. <laughs> now it changes everything. <laughs> Completely. Right? Yeah. You're like, did you say a million jars? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've got to hold the jam. Yes. You, you can have a one. So, so, so asking questions is so vital. You know, not only because you, you want an answer so you could respond, but one, so that they can think. You know, when I was doing this book that you mentioned, yeah. the best advice I ever got, I remember sitting with some of these CEOs and I would ask them questions and they say, hmm, I never thought about that. And then they go deep in their heads, remembering things that they either put at the back of their mind or they thought were not that important. So questions really bring clarity. One, for the person who's being asked a question because they have to think before they answer. And also for you, because the more they say, the more, they, the more, the more information they give you, the more you've got to work with and the more clarity you have in terms of what you're going to prescribe yeah. when it comes to, when that time comes. Do I come back after rejection? Depends. <laughs> <laughs> really depends. <laughs> you know, it depends. But one thing you should always do, prepare, be prepared. You know, know that when you are going to make a proposition to people, it's your meeting. You know, you, you need to, there's a, there's a structure you need to follow where you respectfully take charge of that meeting and where you benevolently say to people, I'll do, this is how this meeting is going to go. I'm going to do this. You're going to say this. And then we're going to get to a point where I give you all the time you need to ask all the questions. So now they relax because they know that they will get the opportunity. Yes. But now you're taking charge. And then you start by leading with your own questions to gather information so that when you prescribe whatever you've got in your briefcase, it's based on what they already gave you, mm. which which you know it which you know to be a fact. 
So then coming back will be a question of how, how, that, how did that meeting go? Where did you go wrong? Where mm. did you make mistakes? If you did, debrief. And then make a decisions based on that. But yes, I would say in most situations, sure, come back. You know, because in most situations, decisions are made with very limited clarity on both sides. So, so coming back, especially if it's worth, if it's, if the deal is worth it, sure. There are there are people who who would say that being being liked is a good start to any deal. Likeability, of course. Yeah, being liked it helps. You know, <laughs> it's always nice to see friendly faces. People yes. like you. You know, but you should never work hard to be liked for the sake of being liked. It's always nice. Of course, you know, there's a saying that says, you know, people love doing business with people they know, like, and trust. But if that's all you've got, again, it's not enough. Because a lot of people have babysitters, for instance. A babysitter is such an important person because they are looking after the most important person in your life, your child. But are you going to go to them for investment advice? You, you know them, you like them, you trust them with your child. So, But are they the right experts to tell you what to invest in on the JSE. So there's got to be more. But it's important, of course. Finally, Sia, when, when, when people have listened to you, and, and I can tell you, you know, it's a holiday, they won't call. They've been calling. It's pity that we've missed them. There's a, we've got a problem with calls today. Uh, but when, when they have listened to you and they think, yeah, I heard him, but I want to know more about this stuff. Is there a way that they can get more of this information? Is there, do you have a website? But is there also a way that they can start talking to you and say, I'm, I want to I wanna grow my business at 1,000% as this man sure. claims he can help me grow my business that much and only then he can pay himself. Is there, is there a way that oh, they can Oh, totally. Do, yeah. uh, yes, Rams, thanks for that question. My website is my name, Sia yeah. Mapoko, yeah. dot com. As so, easy as so, that. So that's where they go. Even these things that we're talking about, there's actually a one-page checklist that I wrote yeah. that anyone can download as a PDF, stick it on their desk so that they've got it in front of them every day. Okay. So if you go to my website, siamapoko.com, yeah. there's a, a, an icon there written, free stuff. You know, <laughs> doesn't get clearer than that. <laughs> Click on free stuff. You're going to get everything we discussed here. Yeah. And, and more. There's more. There's a whole video. A whole lot of free stuff. Oh, a lot of great, How great, to start great, a year. great yeah. content. Absolutely. And of course, through my website, again, you could Click there and connect with me on the on the very f- home page. Yeah, it says find out more. If you click that that big black and white button, it literally takes you. It sends me an email when you write whatever it is you wanna want us to discuss. So that's it. Brilliant. Well, it was wonderful. Uh, I I was intrigued by that, and I I thought I should speak to you because I know I know a lot of people go through these things sometimes unknowingly that we sabotage ourselves because we don't we don't know these and I and I think that it's been completely helpful thank you very much for your time my pleasure thank you for your expertise uh, most important that's very important it's th- things that we should not take for granted I, I can tell you this much that uh, this is not the last time you sit in there. Uh, there are a lot of things that we need to talk about. You had another post about something that I also <laughs> found fascinating, but we'll talk about that some other time. But thank you for coming. Awesome, man. Thank you, Ryan. And folks, tomorrow is Opportunity Tuesday, and we do what we do on Tuesdays. We are back tomorrow. From me, Rems Mabote, good night and God bless. <laughs>